This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. I think there's, I, I really do believe there is huge value in, in putting yourself in a place where you can receive God's word. And I, I'm telling you, you know, you can come to church and you know, sometimes you're like, you, you come to church like, well, okay, I'm here. But you know, here, there, there's, there's an interesting thing here. Sometimes you can be sitting in church and one thing can click off in you. One thing, and sometimes it's something I said, and sometimes it's not even something I said. It's something that the Holy Spirit can illuminate to your heart while you're just sitting there listening. And you, know, you can get answers. And it doesn't even have to come from, from me, but you're in an environment where you're receiving. And that's a great environment for God to talk in. And I was, I was thinking as I was coming here two years ago in, in that seventh game, that was a great game, but I forgot the score. Astros won. We were all excited, but I forgot the score. Because it, in, in, the, in the whole scope of things, it's, it's good. It's, I love sports, and so I'm a sports fan. But in the whole scope of things, I could share something tonight. You could receive something from God's Word that will absolutely change your life. The outcome of the game won't. And, and so, because we, we, we forget. We think it's the biggest thing in the world. And then when it's over, we forget, well, what was, who was the score? And so that's why you know, I, I'm just, I'm thrilled. You're here tonight, and I think that's wonderful. So let's believe we get something good. And let's believe that God can speak to our hearts. We've been talking about can you believe it? What you believe matters a lot. And last week we talked about believing, the, when we believe the right things, it results are joy and peace. That was Romans 15, 13. We won't put it up. But then... Believing produces joy and peace, and believing the wrong things can produce sorrow and anxiety. In Proverbs, the 12th chapter, I'm just going to read this to you. It said, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. So you can get a, a, a good word. Say, well, you know, I've, I've been depressed. What, what, what's, a, what's the cure for depression? The doctor said I need to take meds. Well, I'm not going to speak against what your doctor says, but let me encourage you, don't just take your meds. Take God's word and put it in your heart because God's word in your heart can absolutely set you free from depression. And you, boy, you can get to the place where depression becomes a thing of the past. Say, so how do you know that? Because I was a guy that dealt frequently with depression. And I want to tell you something. It is not a blessing. It is not from God. It is a curse. It is horrible. It impacts everybody and it's bad, but you can get rid of it. But one of the best ways to get rid of it is, is begin to replace what's in your heart. Now, a lot of times we've been taught different things and we've seen different things and heard different things. And so we've got a whole lot of stuff down there. But if you can continue to take God's word and, and begin to read it, meditate on it, hear it, it can begin to get in you and it can begin to change really what you begin to see. Not so much out here first, but you begin to get a different vision. Does that make sense? You begin to you begin to see something different. I've watched this in athletics. I've watched coaches come in to programs, losing programs. You ever seen a new coach come into a losing program? He'll often talk about having to change the culture. And so they'll start, they'll start coaching. And, so, and whole programs can turn around. University of Alabama right now is a dominant football program. But I can remember a few years ago when they were bad. I'd say, well, what happened? Well, a coach came in and changed their vision and changed what they begin to see. And it changed that whole program. They're dominant now. They're tough now. 
but it wasn't always that way. Here's the good news. Wherever you are now does not, does not dictate where you have to be a year from now. And it can change. That's, that's, a, that's the one thing I love about the gospel is the gospel has the power and the ability to change us on the inside. And it can take someone who was mean and mad, mad over, t- over time, just process them to be one of the kindest, sweetest people you ever meet. Things change. God's word has the ability to change like nothing else when we believe it. The key is believing. Not just, you, not just to hear it. Because I've heard people say, well, I don't understand. They, they go to church all the time. Well, going to church all the time is helpful, but you got to take what you hear and do something with it. You got to take what you hear and believe it. I've, I've known people sit in church, same pew, and, and one of them's life becomes a disaster. The other one's life just absolutely turns out wonderful. We say, well, God just loved one, didn't love the other. Well, they heard the same thing. One of them took it and said, I'll take that. That's mine. And it changed them. Other one said, well, whatever. And if you take that well ever perspective, uh, nothing much good happens. So let's talk about two areas to believe. We talked a little bit about this last week, but I want to hit them again. Two areas that we want to believe. Two areas that will cause joy when you believe them. Here's the first one. We have to believe that God will help me. Now, that's what, that's, that's, I'm personalizing that for you. You've got to believe God will help me. And not just Alan. He's going to help you, as in me, you. God will help you. That's a good, that's a good word. Now, here's, a, here's a, a basis for believing that. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 says, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear, but can man do to me. That's a great thing to say. In fact, the Bible says we can boldly say it. The Lord is my helper. Now, it's one thing when you believe that, uh, that the Lord is, is someone else's helper. Maybe you got a relative member. This man, they love God. You're like, oh, I know God helps them. I know God loves them. Listen, it becomes powerful when it becomes personal. And so when you begin to take a verse like that and go, you know what? I, can, I have every much as right to say that I'm a child of God. I can, I can say the Lord is my helper just as confidently as Alan can say. Just as confidently as Joy can say. Well, I catch you on that one? You're like, well. You, Alan, we can deal with. Joy is in a separate, she's in a separate category. No, she's not. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. And so the idea is that what we do is we we take God's word, we can say, we boldly say, the Lord is my helper. And and that's, sometimes that's just a good thing to say when you don't know what to do, to say, Lord, thank you. I got help. The Lord's my helper. And it, it it will actually help you if you will say it. Because if you will say it, that's why it said, so we may, he himself has said, so we may boldly say, it, it will actually do you good. We've gotten away in, in our society, and I'm going to talk about this for a little bit tonight, we've gotten away from the fact that words are powerful. And especially words that come out of your mouth. They are powerful in your life. I mean, I can look at you and pray, and we can go, man, let's believe God can do something. And if we pray and I go, okay, what are we going to do? And you go, I don't know. That's not going to help you. What you're a whole lot better off saying is, Lord's helping me. The Lord is my helper. We're so afraid of this idea of, but but what if it's not true? What if he doesn't? What if he does? 
let's go ahead and just step out and trust him that he's true. And that, because remember, we're talking about what you believe matters. And when you believe, it makes all the difference in the world. First one, the Lord's helping me. Here's a second one, that God will give me wisdom. Well, this is a big one. I bet you I won't do it, but I bet you if I ask for a show of hands tonight on how many of you have an area of your life when you're saying, I could use some wisdom. The hands just automatically just shoot up. It's just like, that, that is me. And so we, we got to believe something about that. Here's one of my favorite promises in the Bible. It's found in the book of James, first chapter. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. And it will be given to him. You know, it doesn't say, and depending on whether or not God likes you or not. It says liberally and without reproach. That word, one thing is liberally means he's not going to dole it out just a little bit. And without reproach. Reproach is, 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 is kind of a disgust. It's, it's words that are negative. Kind of like, a, a, you know, when someone reproached you. And here's the deal. Maybe you had a parent that was that way. And if you didn't, thank God for it. But maybe you had a parent that if you asked for anything, maybe they made you feel bad for asking. So a lot of times people don't want to ask. They're afraid that God's going to look at them. Oh. Aren't you glad God never says, and God rolleth his eyes at you. <laughs> It says he gives liberally and, with, and without reproach and it will be given to him. So here's, so here's, here's the key. So we, we believe, okay, Lord, if I ask you for wisdom that you will give it to me and I can thank you for it. I, um, I went to North Carolina a number of years, many moons ago, decades ago, right after the advent of electricity and we went to... We went to North Carolina. We um, were going to start a church. It did not work well. We ended it. We stayed there for a while. Very difficult time. And I, one of the times I talked about depression, just down. And left a good job. It just had nothing going good. And I, I remember I was going to start a church there, and then I was going to start a church somewhere else. And I, man, we just, nothing was working. You ever get to the place where you just feel like there's nothing working? And Jordan and I went to church, not because we got excited about it. We went to church because we were like, we are going to go to church. We drove about 40 miles and went to this one church. I remember the pastor looked at us one time and said, what are y'all going to do? And we were like, we don't know. We just don't know. And you know, the thing about it is we can laugh about it now, but when you don't know what to do, that's frustrating. Man, when you're just like, I got, I got no answers for this. And I didn't have any answers. And so I was reading one morning in and I, and I, and my devotionals, and I read that promise in James. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. And I just read that, and I thought, what have I got to lose? Lord, I really need some wisdom here. And you said you would give it to me. So now here's the key. So I believe I've received wisdom. And I thank you for it. Now, I won't read the rest of it, but the Bible, James says, 
But let him ask in faith with no doubting for you. Doubts is like a wave with sea driven and tossed by the wind. Don't let that man think he will receive anything from the Lord. It didn't say God didn't give. It said we don't receive. God gives. But we have to put ourselves in the position to receive. So I said, Lord, I am, I, I, I know I don't know what to do, but you said that you would give me wisdom. So I ask you for wisdom. Very sincere. I wouldn't play it. Very sincere. And Lord, I want to thank you for wisdom. Amen. Say, what happened? Did a lightning bolt hit you? No. Did you know at that moment, could I write down what I was going to do? No. Here's where what we believe matters. If we ask him for wisdom, does it say he'll give wisdom? Yeah. Yes. So what, what's the best thing we can do? Let's go. Yeah, let's go. Thank you. Thank you for wisdom. So I'm, I told Joy, I said, I prayed about this. This is what we're going to do. Thank God for wisdom. So we're thinking, thank God for wisdom. I go to work. I'm working with my dad. I sit down. I'm just sitting down at the desk. The phone rings. A friend of mine, picks, he, a friend of mine called me. He said, Alan, I was just thinking about you. He said, man, what are you going to do? And I was, just about to, I was just about to say, I have no stinking idea. But I caught myself. And this is what I told him. I said, you know, James said that if I ask God for wisdom, that he would give me wisdom. So I asked God for wisdom, so I'm just thanking him. I believe he's given me wisdom, and I'll know what to do. And I'm talking to a Christian brother. You know what he says? Uh, no enthusiasm. No, praise God, brother, I believe with you. Just like, oh. Uh, <laughs> don't do that. If someone says, man, I'm praying about this, you go, great, and God will help you. Don't go, well, I know you, and God probably doesn't like you very much. <laughs> Don't do that. Just, he just went, oh, and he got off the line. I hung up the phone, and I thought, I, thought, huh. I said, well, I said, well, what happened? Nothing. But every now, everyone I would think about, it, I'd stop and say, thank you, Lord, for wisdom. We'll know what to do. So we'll fast forward two weeks. That's the part we don't like. Two weeks, two weeks. Two weeks, I'm sitting in a service and there's a guest speaker speaking that night and he said something and I mean it went off. This is why I like church. Because you can sit in church and hear something that absolutely goes off and you're like, there it is right there. He said, you know, sometimes if you're not getting answers from God, you're often asking the wrong questions. I felt like I wanted to jump up. I'm not a big amen, but I want to jump up and go, hallelujah, amen, brother. <laughs> because I had been asking the Lord, where do you want me to start a church in North Carolina? Where do you want me to start a church in North Carolina? Where? And I go, whoa, wait, whoa. How about this? Do you want me to start a church in North Carolina? He's still preaching. I'm talking to the Lord. Do you want me to start a church in North Carolina? And the answer came back, no. And I'm like, Hallelujah, and I, I knew right then in my heart, we're going back to Texas. That's a, that's a praise God. We are going back to Texas, never to leave. And so we, but, but do you see, you see the process? See what happens? We ask for wisdom, and then when we don't know what to do, we stay frustrated, and we keep saying the same stuff. Instead of saying, I asked the Lord for wisdom, I'm thanking him for the wisdom. 
Say, Alan, what do you call that? That's simply called faith. When you made Jesus Christ your Lord, some of you felt a change and some of you did not. Some of you felt completely new. Some of you felt just like nothing, but you prayed that prayer and someone said, hey, did you, I saw you raise your hand. Did you pray that prayer? Yeah, well, praise God, you're saved. And you went, well, yeah. Yeah, cool, guess I am. But then did you notice that the more you begin to say it, the more real it became into, into your own heart and life? I mean, when I first got saved, someone said, are you saved? And I'm kind of like, because I knew how I was. I knew what I was still struggling with. So I didn't really want to say it, but I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm still, yeah, yeah, I'm saved. Do you know what happened over, over time? I began to thank God for my salvation. And I'm praising God for my salvation. How many of you maybe were a little sketchy on it when you first started? They couldn't beat it out of you now with a baseball bat. Are you saved? You're like, absolutely, yes, absolutely, yes. You, may, you know, you know that you know. Listen, it's not where you start, it's where you finish. When you ask God for wisdom, don't get concerned. If you, if you say amen and you don't get a lightning bolt, you just keep thanking God until wisdom comes. Say, well, how's it going to come, Alan? I don't know, but God is incredibly creative and he's got a lot of different ways he can get wisdom to you. You can... You, you can hear it in a message. You can get it in a book. Somebody can come by and just say something. And you're like, that was God. And it came from you. And then like, oh God, could you really use them? Yes, he can. He used a donkey. He can use your family. So here we go. <laughs> a lot of different ways. A lot of different ways. The idea is we ask for wisdom and we keep thanking him for wisdom before we can write it down on a pad as to what to do. Does that make sense? Yeah. And what that does is it keeps some of the frustration out. Then we don't get so frustrated and go, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Stop saying you don't know. Because you, all you're doing is establishing the fact that you don't know. You already know you don't know. And no sense in keep talking, I don't know. I don't know, I don't know. You ever notice after you talk, I don't know, it's not like real encouraging. What are you going to do? I don't know. I don't know. I never know. That's not helping you. I was supposed to say, Lord's helping me. I'll know what to do. Does that make sense? And, and here's, here's, here's the thing. I think too often we thought that this great feeling was going to accompany faith. Faith is not so much of a feeling as it is a choice. We, we make a choice of going, I'm just, just going to believe that. And sometimes there's feelings, sometimes nada. Well, that was a lot longer than I wanted to spend on that, but I hope it helped you. Let's, let's talk about um, when the disciples were challenged about what they believe. I'll read this story to you in Mark, the fourth chapter. On the same day when evening had come, he, Jesus, said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with them. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so it was already filling. But he, Jesus, was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. 
But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea, and the sea obey him? They encountered a storm even when Jesus was with them. Jesus was with them and a storm came. As I was preparing this today, I really felt like I, I need to hit this, this, this part pretty good. So I want you to listen to me because I might just, it might go against some, some teaching you've had or some thoughts you've had, but I want you to see something. Jesus was in the boat with the disciples, but Jesus', Jesus actions indicated that the storm was not from God. Now this is, this is something that I see a lot of people trip up in. And you hear them say, well, you know, I, I don't know if the storm is from God or if the storm is from the enemy. But let's look at the situation. Here's Jesus. He's sleeping in the boat. The storm was not from God. We say, I don't know. well, how do you know that? Well, one thing, how many of you believe that Jesus always did the will of his Father? He, he, never, went, he never went sideways where this was God's will, but Jesus did his own thing. In fact, in, in John, the 8th chapter, verse 28 through 29, he says this, then Jesus said to them, when you lift up the son of man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing of myself, but as my father taught me, I speak these things. And he who sent me is with me. The father has not left me alone for I always do those things that please him. How many of you believe Jesus always pleased God? Always pleased him. Always spoke what he heard the father speak. Always said the same thing. So when the storm happened and Jesus did the will of God, you know, Jesus did not get up and pray about the storm. He didn't say, well, Lord, whether it be your will or not. He rebuked, those are strong words. That means to call down, to dress down the wind, and he commanded the sea. Now listen, if God had sent that storm Jesus would have been wrong rebuking it. If the storm was from God and Jesus stood up in the boat and said to the wind, pipe down, told the sea, be calm. But yet God had sent the storm, then Jesus is working against God. I don't believe Jesus ever worked against God because he said, I always do those things that please my father. We know he was sinless. We know he was spotless. We know he was the representation of God. So when the storm came, Jesus had no doubt about the storm. He wasn't wondering whether God sent the storm or not. It was a storm. It was trying to destroy him and he addressed it and rebuked it and it stopped. So well, what's that got to do with me? A lot. Because when storms come in life, you've got to figure out first, where did it come from? Where's the source of it? Because if you think God's sending the storm, you're not going to do much. If you think it came from God, all you're going to do is go, Lord, would you, would you get me out of this storm? I wish I could be out of the storm. Or maybe you're praying, Lord, not, not your will, but mine be done. Here's, here's some good things. When storms come in my life, I look at a couple of, of things. One, did I do something stupid? <laughs> How many of you realize we are human? And we can do stupid stuff. And so storms come in my life. I want to know, God, did I do something stupid? If I did, I need to repent and get back on track. The second thing, if I didn't do anything stupid, 
I'm looking at the fact that the storm was not from God, it's from the enemy, and I'm going to resist it. If I think it's from God, I'm not going to resist it. But so many people have horrible storms in their life, and they don't know. They're like, I don't know if God's... If you look at the life of Jesus, when Jesus saw storms, he calmed them. When he saw sick, he healed them. When he saw hurting, he helped them. When he saw hungry, he fed them. He brought life into every situation, and he hasn't changed. He's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not hurting you. So... You get in the storm, you're like, I don't, I don't know where this storm has come from. I'm going I'm to just, I'm going to mess with your theology. The devil is the source of storms, or you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you mean, me? Well, I had a guy one time. He came to me. He said, He said, Alan, you got to pray for me, man. The devil stole my job. I said, He stole your job. He said, Yeah. He said, A good job. He stole it. I said, Well, how did he steal it? I said, Well, I, I was working there. And, and uh, I was late. I said, really, you were late? He said, yeah. I said, how many times? He said, six. I said, in what span? He said, two weeks. His name was Bo. I said, Bo, that was not the devil. He's like, nope. I said, nope. You. You. You the problem. You're late six times and... It's only like four days that you were on time. And they said, don't be late. I mean, no, you can get yourself in trouble. But if you got, listen, if you felt like, oh, man, Alan, I started this. I, I got myself in trouble. I got good news for you. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so, it, listen, you get to storm. Don't keep beating yourself up. Repent. Make an adjustment. Tell the Lord. Listen, when I went to North Carolina, do you know whose fault that was? Joy's. <laughs> no, no. I, I wish Joy reminded me over and over again it was not her fault. In fact, when she was praying, she said, Lord, she said, I followed him into this. It is, it is his fault. Do you realize that before I could get answers, I had to tell the Lord, I am sorry, Lord. I'm the one that put me in this situation. But you know, the mercies of the Lord are brand new every morning. You tell him, I'm sorry. He is there to help you get you back on the right track. He can get you where you need to be. But here's, here's the deal. But don't be blaming him for the storm. If you're in a storm right now, and maybe you've been taught, it's all from God and God's trying to teach you something. Maybe you've been taught that. Stay with us for a little bit because I'm, I'm, I'm I'd like to be able to change your, your theology because if you're thinking that, it makes it very difficult to resist it. It makes it difficult to fight against it because if God is teaching me this, then don't pray to get out of it because you need to learn. But how many of you know experience? It will teach you, but she has no mercy. So, that one of the best ways to learn is not from you having experience. Learn from somebody else's experience. Learn from mine. Don't do stupid stuff. And when there's a storm, just say, Lord, I know you didn't send this. And I know you have a way out. So, Alan, how do I, how do I get out? If anyone lacks wisdom, mask of God, who gives to all liberally without reproach, and it will be given to. How many of you know God knows a way out of that storm? What do you think? 
So, again, this is new. And I realize some people have been taught theologically that all the storms, all the storms are for God. I just like to watch Jesus. Jesus dealt with storms. And, 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 the, Lord, and the Lord helped him. So, gosh, I didn't even get to the, to the key point. But I'm going to leave it there. Because this is not the night that I'm going over. <laughs> okay. Some of you will forgive me for a lot of stuff, but like, I ain't forgiving you for that. Anybody got anything that helped them tonight? Did that, anything speak to them? Good. Good. So it was not a wasted trip. And uh, I think one of the keys is you just, one of the best ways is, Lord, thank you that you're teaching me. If I brought some new things up tonight, think about them for a little bit and just say, Lord, show me truth on this. And not truth from what Aunt Myrtle said, but, but truth from scriptures. We got a saying around here. Don't get mad. It's scripture. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for the night, thankful for your goodness. Father, for all of those tonight who are dealing with issues that they don't have wisdom for, Father, thank you that you do. And if they'll ask you, Father, you'll help them because you give to all liberally and without reproach. Father, thank you that there are many going through storms tonight that you did not send. So, Lord, we just thank you that you'll help them, strengthen them, give them insight, wisdom, and show them a way out. Father, we just thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for your grace and your mercy in our lives. No one has it perfectly, but we're learning from you because you're our helper. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed tonight. If you came and said, I don't have a relationship with the Lord. I know it and he knows it, but I really want to have one. Or maybe you're not sure. Or maybe you're saying to yourself, I, I, man, at one time I, I really did have a, a walk with the Lord and I got away from him. Well, we're going to say a prayer. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. But in your chair right now, right where you're sitting, this is a really powerful prayer that can help you make a connection with God that will absolutely last for eternity. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If either one of those situations applies to you and you would like in on this prayer, I'm going to ask you to do one thing. Just slip your hand up real quickly. Cross the aisle. Thank you. Thanks. 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 Thank you. Yeah, appreciate that. Anybody else? Thank you. Got you. Yeah, see you. All right, you can put your hands down. Thank you for your prayers. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. We're going to pray this prayer. Those of you who lifted your hand, pray this with us. We're going to pray it together as, a, as just a big church family. So pray it out loud so you can hear it. Say, Dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Father, thank you for those who have prayed that prayer and for those who come home and for those who've stepped out of darkness into your marvelous light. We give you all the praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. One minute.
Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.